Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer, and we are back for another episode of 1% Better. We have had an interesting few weeks. We're winding down training camp. Uh, Zach, we we got done today. Uh, They're off to, well, there's a walkthrough tomorrow and game Saturday, and then there's just three more days of actual camp. Well, two more public days, actually. So we're, we're just about there. Um, and I probably lost three pounds today with the heat. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but we've learned a lot. I mean, we've definitely had a lot to see, a lot to talk about, a lot to watch. Um, so let's just dive in with the latest on quarterback because, you know, that's where we always start because there's always quarterback news. Uh, so I feel like there is, we talked about this this morning, you and I, I, I feel like there's, there's one part of this where we don't see eye to eye, and that's good because if we always agree, this would be a boring podcast. But like, I think on the matter of whether they should just say screw it, this thing's over. It's Jacob Eason. You say that's not a terrible idea. I say, eh, let this play out. They got Saturday night. Let Jake, let Sam Ellinger have his first team reps. See what happens, and then you still have another preseason game where I think they're going to play the starters in some form or fashion. So uh, I'll tell you what, you go first with kind of where you stand on this. I don't think we're like really far apart. I think we both agree Jacob Beeson is getting the job done. But um, where do you stand on it? Do you think Frank Reich should call this, right? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of things you got to – I think he should call it based on the fact that Eason needs these reps. Like Mm -hmm. I want to see Eason against real starters. We didn't really see that against the Panthers. They didn't play any starters. And I think Easton needs every rep he can get. And I think we've kind of been pretty spot on with this the last couple of weeks, right? When he took over for Carson, when Carson went down, I think I said, don't weigh what he does right now. Let's see where he's at in two and a half, three weeks. And I think it was pretty ugly at first. I think objectively, we all kind of saw that for all the fans out there that have come out to Westfield, Grand Park, you saw some rough days early on. And I think we're seeing him get better. And that's what you want to see in a young quarterback. Remember, he's getting thrown into a situation that's really tough. Like, and I'm not making excuses for Jacob Eason, but the offensive line is an effing turnstile right now. It's a disaster. I mean, DeForest Buckner's back in the backfield blocking passes. The left tackle situation is a mess. The left guard situation is not much better. So that's not helping a young quarterback. The fact that he hasn't played a game in two years didn't help. The fact that he didn't really get any live reps last year. didn't help. So we said all that back when he took over. It was rough for two weeks. I was convinced on Sunday that he did enough to to solidify this, at least a lead in this QB race, right? I mean, I thought Easton was really solid on Sunday against the Panthers. Ellinger wasn't terrible. He threw a really terrible interception. He came back. But I'm not going to be dismayed by the fact that Ellinger's running for first downs on third and five against fourth stringers, right? Like we've seen – We've seen a bunch of quarterbacks star late in preseason games, and it doesn't matter at all. Now, I'm not ready to write off Ellinger, 
but I think Easton should be ahead. And I think he should, should be getting first team reps. We've seen Stephen Morris do that. We've seen Chad freaking Kelly do that. We've seen PJ Walker do that. They can't play in the league, right. As a starting role. I think Easton made the plays that you wanted to see. Now he needs to be better pocket awareness, getting the ball out quickly, right. All of that stuff matters. They can work on that in the next three weeks. If Carson isn't ready, but I want to see Easton get more live reps because that's how he's going to continue to get better. That's fair. I think I'll start with the part we agree on, which is exactly as you said. Uh, there's no question in my mind, Jacob Eason is ahead. Because remember, I think we talked about this on a previous episode. From the beginning, Jacob Eason was the guy who who began this process as the the would-be starter if Carson Wentz is out, right? That was very clearly stated. And then when yeah. when things started, it's your to, it's your show. Yeah, is what Frank exactly, Jacob. exactly. And so when things started to change a little bit, and maybe he struggled while Ellinger was surging a little bit, I think Frank Reich he made it clear. Look, they're going to split the reps, but no one ever said okay. Uh, at that point, you still have to acknowledge that Eason was still the incumbent, if you will, for lack of a better word, because I don't have a better word. Right, he was still the incumbent. And Ellinger, if you want to use like a boxing analogy, like he's the challenger, right? Eason has the belt. He's the challenger. You got to go beat him. You have to like take it. And you can't have a draw and and then Ellinger becomes a starter. No, if if it's a draw, it's Eason, right? Because it was his job. That's kind of the way I looked at it. So I don't think anything has happened. Well, let me rephrase that. I think looking at everything in its totality, I think from day one to now, I think you would have to say they are at best even. And frankly, I think Eason has been better overall. Now, I wouldn't have said that a week and a half ago. But Eason, to his credit, I really think has consistently gotten better. I I didn't think they had enough time. You know, when when Wentz got hurt, they had a month to go, whatever it was, before the regular season. And I was thinking, you know what? I don't think they have enough time. After my first few days of watching Jacob Eason, I was like, all right, they got time, but I don't know if it's enough time because it wasn't very good. And he's proven me wrong. He has made bigger jumps than I thought he would make in a short period of time. And that is a huge, huge credit to Jacob Eason. I give him a lot of credit for that. So, and they're and in good shape. It's there. important. Yeah. Better I, shape. I, don't, you, don't you feel a lot better today yes. than you did 10 days ago oh, when yeah. they were practicing against the Panthers and before that? And it's, it's crazy to see, but. Easton's been solid, and I noticed a big jump in him Monday. And I was very curious to see, excuse me, Tuesday, when he came back to work on Tuesday for practice. Ellinger wasn't there, and I was thinking, okay, how is he going to respond to a really good game? I thought it was a really solid game. Yeah. And I thought he had his best practice in camp. And so his best two days have been Sunday against the Panthers and then Tuesday against the first-team defense. And he was really solid. And you could see a little bit more confidence in him. And I thought Marcus Brady and Frank both acknowledged that, right? And that's important because they wanted to check out his sideline demeanor and how he responded to doing well. Now, he's going to have rough patches, right? They all do, young quarterbacks. How he responds to that will will further tell you where he's at. But I think this is, this is moving in the right direction. But the other thing is, and I want to get your thoughts on this, and we had a pretty good conversation with Frank Reich yesterday about where things stand with Carson. I don't think this is a matter of Eason versus Ellinger. I think Eason's ahead. I think this is a matter of Eason versus time, and the time being, do they have enough time to get Carson back for week one? And if you've got a fully healthy Eason who's played pretty well in the preseason, how do you balance that decision? Carson, you know, Frank wants two full weeks with Carson. Are they going to get it? Because that dude is like ready to jump into a huddle right now 
and steal snap from the first team. Like, he is so ready on the practice field to get in there and play. Like, he's practicing his drops. He's moving around. Like, I've never seen an injured quarterback more ready to get back to practice than Carson Wentz right now. Yeah, and they're going to have to, you know, be smart about this. I mean, look, he's he's a long way from being cleared to, to play. Okay, let's just be clear, right? But there's no question you can see – that he's he's got an impatience there, and and I think yeah. Frank Reich really acknowledged that. It might have been you that asked, or or one of our other colleagues asked about that, and and Frank's reaction told you everything you need to know. He said, "Oh, a hundred percent." He was like, "Yes, he's driving me crazy." You know, <laughs> uh, he's definitely chomping at the bit, and and Frank gave a pretty demonstrative response to that, which told you it is exactly what you think it is, which is Carson Wentz probably driving him up a wall, like. Come on, coach. You know, and he also we learned this week he did some of the walkthrough, which I think is notable. So my my theory on on him taking the walkthrough reps is I can't remember if I said this on a previous podcast. I don't think so. But uh, if he's taking walkthrough reps, the idea there is when you, when you do the walkthrough, you're that is game preparation. Okay, and Frank said this week that they are already sort of looking toward week one already in some of their preparation. And yeah. and the walkthrough is where a lot of that happens. You know, you're 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 kind of already thinking because you have the time, you're thinking about you know, sort of your your plays that you might run against Seattle. You gotta think they've been looking at Seattle film for, you know, weeks and yeah, months. You're not game planning for Detroit or for Minnesota. Of course. All. Right. So point being, I I really think the the walkthrough reps are really valuable. And so if they're giving some of those reps to Carson Wentz, that tells me that him playing week one is absolutely on the table because otherwise, as you pointed out, I think those young kids need those reps, particularly Eason right now, most likely, uh, if, if it's likely that Carson Wentz isn't going to play because that's where the true game preparation happens. I mean, we know that a lot of times injured guys – you know, not guys who've been out for weeks and weeks, but sometimes guys who are injured through the regular season, when we get into the regular season, you know, they can maybe not practice, but do the walkthrough, get all the mental reps, and they'll play on Sunday, right? Yeah. TY has done that many times. Yeah. So the walkthrough is critical, and it's like, you know, it, it really matters. It's It's not physically taxing. It doesn't mean anything from a physical standpoint. That that doesn't prove that Carson Wentz is ready to play or anything. Just to be clear, but but I think devoting the snaps to Carson Wentz tells us they are really you know not planning on him playing, but they the door is open for him to play Week One. Is what I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. It's definitely open, but they don't have an answer yet. They don't. don't have an answer. So now a lot of people are well. Do they know yet? This is really important. They haven't tested the foot really hard yet they will soon but frank made it very clear that they have not done that and they won't know where he's going to be until they test the foot and see how it responds if the tissue that's healing in his foot right now responds well i think there's a chance he plays in, against seattle right but if not you know frank made it very clear like could be week two could be week three i think it's pretty assumed that it's going to be on the top end of that spectrum the good side of that five to twelve week timetable but you know, if anyone out there is telling you, I guarantee he was out there for week one, they're lying because they don't know. Jim Mercy doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz doesn't know. Frank Reich doesn't know. So it's going to see this is a big week, and I think next week is a big week because Frank 
really wants to know by the time they go to Detroit who his guy is going to be. After that game, after that game next Friday night in Detroit, the third preseason game, he's going to want to know, going into that final two-week stretch before the opener, who's my guy? And ideally, he has once for two weeks. He said he could go if he just has a week to prepare, but the next two weeks are really huge for Carson Wentz and his foot. Yeah, and I, I think one of the challenges here is if you're the Colts, the, the medical staff primarily, you know, the, the key is when to say when. Like, when is it time to, to push a little bit, right? As Frank Reich was talking about, he says, we haven't pushed it yet. So they haven't yeah. really tested it yet. And, you know, it, they go to school for many, many years to know these these answers. I don't know these answers. But at some point, they will deem that appropriate and they'll, you know, push it a little bit and then they'll learn more. That's the key. And I think that's when we will start to really get a better sense but but if you're the Colts, you have a lot of information just based on how it's healing. They know some of that already and are getting feedback. So, you know, you can start to plan accordingly. So I think him getting those walkthrough reps matters. I think it's what you said. He, he's definitely on the lower end of the, the time frame that they gave us. And so they're getting them ready as best they can uh, with the limited opportunities they have. So it's 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 positive, if not you know, the best case scenario is definitely positive, I think. So, uh, you know, one thing I would, I wanted to just kind of hit on is I do think that this, this quarterback competition or whatever you want to call it, um, I'm still glad they did it because two things, number one, I think you learned that I think, first of all, it, it should be what Frank Reich said. I'll start by saying this. He said, this is a meritocracy. It absolutely should be. And if Jacob Eason goes out there and and wins the job and proves that he deserves to play, I think that is not going to do anything but but uh, gain the trust of his teammates. Right? They want to see the guy. They want to see the best guy play. You know, because yeah. they want to win. They deserve that. Right. So I think it helps him with his teammates. Honestly, it helps them gain trust. The other thing I would say, honestly, is and it's a related point. It really did bring out the best in both guys. I really believe that. Uh, That's a good point. I think we saw each guy get better and better and better. And that's a good thing for the Colts overall. And that's what this is about. I mean, just what what do you think about how this played out? And, you know, do you, you share those sentiments? I don't know how you feel on it. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up because I've thought that in the back of my head the last couple of days. Maybe this is what Jacob Eason needed all along. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to draft day 2019, they took a first round talent in the fourth round, right? I think we can all agree that Eason is a first round talent. There's a reason he went to the fourth round though. I think everybody understands why. And Chris Ballard said, look, this guy's got to come in and earn it. And then there was a, there was a little, there's some rumors that, oh, he's going to supplant Jacoby Brissett right away. And Ballard said, hell no, <laughs> he's not supplanting Jacoby Brissett. He's going to come in and he's going to have to earn it. And through no fault of his own, there wasn't a lot to earn last year. He beat out Chad Kelly. Congratulations. He was a third stringer. This year, it kind of fell on his lap, right? He was the backup. They didn't make a move for someone else. And all of a sudden, Carson goes down on the second day of camp, and the starting job is his for the foreseeable future for these six weeks, whatever it is. And both times, it just kind of fell to him. No, not so fast. This is what they wanted their quarterback to do. They wanted Eason, this guy with all this talent, to earn the job. And Sam Ellinger pushed him, probably more than Eason thought he would. 
Now, it's not over. Again, if Ellinger goes out there and balls out on Saturday night and Easton struggles, we're going to have a different conversation on Monday. But um, I think you're right, and I think this brings out the best in him, and I think you made a really good point about the teammates. They're going to respect Easton more if he goes out and earns this job, the old-fashioned way, like every single one of them did. You know, how many guys just walk into a starting position in this league? It just doesn't happen. So um, I thought it's brought out the best in him. And I thought, you know, when you you, you raise the stakes a little bit, like mm-hmm. a game, like Sunday against the Panthers, and it's like, all right, you're going to get the first quarter and a half or half, and then we're going to bring Sam in. I mean, I think that competition's bringing out the best. And they, they are guys that get along very well. There's no bitterness. Yeah. They're very different guys personality-wise and skill set-wise. But it's been fun to watch it evolve, and I think you're right. This could be, in the long run, a really good thing for Jacob Eason in his career. Right, right. So I I really think that uh, the the Colts have learned a lot about their quarterbacks throughout this too. And, you know, I think they, they came into this not knowing anything about these two guys, you know. They didn't know anything about really – you know, at least between the lines about Jacob Eason, they certainly didn't know much about how Sam Ellinger might fit in and 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 how much he might be able to contribute. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, I think there is there could be some future value for the Colts in in having had this chance to learn more about these two quarterbacks, right? Because you can't you can't replicate it until it's yeah. real. You know, you can't, yeah. unless unless they're playing against Darius and Bobby Okereke in this secondary, like there's no other way to know. You know, yeah. You know, look, I don't know whether Eason takes a single regular season snap this year. He may not. He may not. Right. And we just outlined that Carson Wentz playing is not out of the question or he may start the first three games. I don't know. But but my point is, I do think having some confidence that you have a backup who can handle it, that goes a long way. And I think I'll be honest, you know, when they when they committed to to making Eason the number two quarterback way back in. I guess May in the spring after the draft, you know, because they didn't draft. Well, they drafted Ellinger, but they didn't acquire a veteran quarterback. So we figured, okay, so obviously is easing your number two quarterback. And their response to that was, yeah, probably, (laughs) you know, and I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, that definitely, there's a little skepticism there, not because you don't think he's talented, but because we have never seen the guy. Right. So, uh, yeah. Now, you know, if Carson Wentz, who has an injury history, okay, it is undeniable. He has an injury history that that we cannot ignore. And I think it's irresponsible to ignore it. So Carson Wentz, if he goes out and he, you know, God forbid, he turns an ankle in week six and Jacob Eason's got to come off the bench and play. You know what? Yeah, I think the guys, the rest of the, the other 10 guys in the huddle are going to look at that guy and say, all right, let's go. And they're going to have six weeks with them in August. You know what I mean? Like that. It's it's a little bit like in 2019 when when Luck retired and they're like, all right, we do know Brissett. Like now this is not ideal by any situation. But uh, this guy's been with us every day at camp for for two months. So um, that that matters. And I think if if Eason is in that situation, not only will his teammates believe, but he'll believe because he's done it in, in very similar situations. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. 
and we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, the other thing we we probably should sort of uh, shift gears to are, I think that, that the quarterback situation is kind of stabilizing. Uh, maybe let's talk about some areas of concern, which is not something we do enough. I think you know we we talk uh, about a I lot know of the things we're going to start. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about a lot of the things that we like, right? But we do have some areas of concern. Look, all right, the offensive line it is a mess. We're not going to spend all day on this because it's pointless. Uh, guys are hurt. It is what it is. But. Um, I will just tell you, so just based on some conversations I've had, uh, here's what I'm anticipating this looking like uh, as of today. Okay, now that could change, but as of today, I think this is what we're looking at. I think Ryan Kelly makes it back. He should be back soon, probably when they get back to practice next week. So let's assume Ryan Kelly's in the lineup day one. Look, Quentin Nelson, I, I don't know. We we just don't know. And I think you have Not to treat betting that. against him. No, no. You got to treat it a little bit like Carson Wentz, you know, in terms of, you know, planning for him not to be there, but then hoping he will, right? Uh, but so if he's out, I think Chris Reed is probably the guy at left guard. That He's the guy who's emerging there. And at left tackle, it's really Julian Davenport's the guy who's emerging there. Now, I say emerging, Oof, emerging but is like, word. yeah, it's, it's, I'm using the, the term loosely, right? But I will tell you, they're just, look, they're flat out. They're done with Sam Tevy. Okay, I'm just telling you now. He's playing reserve right tackle. He's, play, he's right the now. backup right tackle. They're done. He can't do this it. This is the state of their left tackle situation. No matter who is playing right defense event, whether it's Banigou or Toure or Quiddy Pay, that dude has two or three sacks every practice. Yeah. That's where we're at. It's if you're a Colts fan, I would be less worried about the quarterback situation and more worried about the left tackle situation. Now there are ways you can. Make it better, right? If you just attach Jack Doyle to the left hip of whoever's out there or Moelle Cox, but it's not good. It's just not good. We can't lie to you. And those of you who've been out to Grand Park, you've seen it. No, it's absolutely true. So it is going to hamstring Frank Reich as a play caller because he's going to have to, as you said, he's going to have to station, you know, a a tight end over there like the border patrol, you know, <laughs> because like it's going to be a freaking disaster otherwise. So they think Davenport. Gives them the best shot of those three guys. Uh, I guess um, Will Holden would be the third guy who I didn't mention. He has been a disappointment. I got to tell you, he has been a disappointment. Now, Davenport by no means has been good, but I, I think he's been less bad. <laughs> okay. That's about as much of a backhanded yeah. compliment as I can give. But uh, Holden's been disappointing. And, and Tevi has just been, I mean, an absolute disaster. I was stunned he was this bad. Like, was this guy this bad in, in L.A.? I mean, how? How could how he have he started? so many games? Yeah. It's, it's ugh. I, I think you they're just, surprised. You miss Anthony Costanzo every single day. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're definitely surprised Tevi worked out this poorly. Um, and inconsistency was something that they, they were concerned about in L.A., but I don't think this was inconsistency. I think he was consistently bad, frankly. So, but we'll see. I, I do think uh, getting Ryan Kelly back definitely makes a difference. Uh, Danny Pinter being hurt, I think, was definitely something that threw them off. They were getting ready. This is interesting. They were getting ready to to kind of platoon Danny Pinter at guard before he hurt his ankle. So that was a bummer because I think 
he's got a chance if they could if, if they could pre- determine that he can play guard I would love to have him there and and stabilize the left side a little bit because I think that kid can play but uh yeah. he's got the ankle so that that I think it was really a blow to them if, if you get Kelly back you're good at center if you get Pinter over there at left guard not the best but at least you can you can sleep at night and and then you just put all your efforts into like just shoring up that left tackle spot but Right now, we'll have to see how it goes. They, they don't have uh, either of those left guards or left tackles right now. However, uh, the people would probably like to know this, Zach. Um, you and I have both seen Eric Fisher putting in some work out there. I mean, he looks good, yeah. right? Like, he looks like he's ready. And I not ready to play play, but um, I think he's ahead. I think he's ahead on his rehab. Yeah. That's just a gut feeling, but all I can tell you is what I see. And what I see is a guy who's like not just – walking around on the practice field. He's doing legit agility drills after the practice on an empty field. And we talked to Chris Strasser, the O-line coach today, and he's like, yeah, he's he's very, very hungry to get out there. And it wasn't just a throwaway quote. It was very obvious that the, this dude is ready to go out there and play. I think he knows they need him. And I said, well, Chris, when is he going to be out there? And he laughed because <laughs> he doesn't know the answer and, and he's not ready to say, but Man, I get the feeling it's sooner rather than later. What about you? Yeah, I do. I do. And uh, as Chris Strasser was talking after practice, in the distance, I was literally watching Eric Fisher with the rehab staff doing his work. And, you know, they had him on a, a bungee cord, you know, doing his slides, his offensive tackle slides that you see those guys do in pass protection. He was doing it, I mean, at full speed. Now, he's not doing it while pushing off you know, are exploding into 270-pound quitty pay, okay, right? So it's not exactly the same thing, but it's definitely a huge step toward that. So uh, this is real. I mean, when they told us that that Eric Fisher, that they had optimism about Eric Fisher, I think we have enough evidence, despite us not being doctors, <laughs> I think we, we see what we yeah. see, you know what I mean? And I think it's very real. So uh, I think with with Carson and Fisher, yeah, you can't get ahead of yourself, but you can also get a vibe. And I think the vibe we've gotten the opposite vibe yeah, before, like yeah. when we don't see a guy, it's like okay, something's up. I you mean think like when Andrew Luck getting, was in Germany, or yeah, no, he wasn't, wasn't in Germany. Up. Where was he? Netherlands. The Netherlands. Yeah. yeah, my European geography is bad, but whatever. The the vibe is like these guys are like begging to get back on the field mm-hmm. and the doctors are holding them back. But um, I do know Ryan Kelly is nearing a return because he was talking trash about my golf game on the sideline today. So that would tell me that he's in midseason. Wait, form. wait, wait. Ryan Kelly talking trash means nothing because he always talks trash. That, that means everything is normal. <laughs> right. So um, That's true. That's true. He must be through the hard parts of his injury. But uh, <laughs> I bet he's on the field Monday, which is good for the O-line. But, I mean, you know, Ballard always couched it he, with Fisher. He was like, you know, I don't want to put a timetable on it, but we think it'll be okay. We think he'll mm-hmm. be, we think he'll be back. And it's late August, and I always kind of penciled him in like September, October ish. But if he's on the practice field in two weeks, you know, it's not crazy that he plays in those first couple games. Maybe not the opener, maybe not week two, but mm-hmm. um, I could see it as a possibility. Like you said earlier about Carson, the door is open. He's he's right there. Yeah. Uh, and just for the record, for the listeners, uh, when Ryan Kelly talks trash, it goes something like this: "Kiefer, you suck!" Right? Yeah. Basically, I mean, I'm like paraphrasing. And then I say it right back to him. So that's the um, that's the best part is he can. Man, take I it. miss the locker room. Talking trash with him is like one of the highlights of my day. 
yeah. Ryan Kelly, he he can dish it, but he can take it. So I I'm good with that. As long as you can, you know, if you can talk shit, as long as you can take it, then we're good. <laughs> the other area of I'm not like just you know losing sleep over this if you're if you're the Colts, but I think there's some mild concern at this spot. Cornerback is not the best unit on this team. There's no question about that. Um, I I think they're they're very top heavy, right? Like we love Kenny Moore. He's fabulous. He can do it all, right? No issues there, but he's a slot corner. So he can only he's do so much. He's been so good in camp. He has. He's been fr- ridiculously good. Uh, and then you have Xavier Rhodes, who I think if Xavier's out there, I think you're, you're fine. You you can live with him pretty much in any situation. You know, you, you, you don't worry about him handling things. I thought he played great last year. I thought he was pretty underrated, honestly, as a, as a corner in this league. But then after that, it's just eh, it's, How are you it's knock a falls Rocky off a cliff Sin like that. How are you gonna knock Rocky Sin? He's had a good week. <laughs> he's actually look Rocky Sin of the remaining corners. I think he's been the best guy in camp, and maybe that's also a backhanded compliment. But he has no. He's he's been better than he's been better than than Marvell Tell for sure hurt again. He's he's been better than Rogers, who had a great interception today. Um, we keep hearing like he's going to put it together from teammates, mm-hmm. from Chris Ballard, from his secondary coach. Until it happens on Sunday in a regular season game, I'm not ready to say it just because we've been fooled before. Remember his rookie year? He had a great camp. Yeah. He had a great camp. And then he just panics late in downs and uses his hands and, and fouls and, I mean, gives up big plays. And I, as of right now, he's, he's your starting cornerback on the outside, the opposite Xavier. The, the frustrating thing about Rock is that he does have all the tools. Now, he doesn't have that, that top-end speed. Now, that's that's the one thing. Yeah. Like, you see that with Xavier Rhodes. Even at 31, Xavier has recovery speed. Like, he can get there. And he's he's long and, you know, he, he can cover a lot of ground. So, that helps him a lot. Uh, the the thing with Rock, though, outside of the, the top-end speed, which is, you know, not a great attribute to not have, but he has length. He has athleticism. He's tough. Tackle's great. You know, he he has a lot of that. I think he's instinctive. But, man, it's it's really – it's a head game with him. I really believe that. I think you're right. And and it's really a frustrating thing is that you see him at times have these, these, great, situ- these great downs that he'll play. And then the next play, he just falls apart. And it's like, dude, like, you can do this. Like, he does it all the time, you know? And I think that's the Colts' biggest frustration is just like, we need to know what we're going to get from you, but they don't always get the same thing, you know? And what do you do with that? I don't know. Uh, it's such a tough position to play, especially for early, for young guys yeah. in their career. And it's just like, you're going to have to have that short-term memory. And in the best of them, even the best of them, like Revis in his prime would get beat once in a while. And even we had that great <laughs> year. With, <laughs> yeah, no, Revis, man, he was great. But even that great year with Vontae Davis, yeah. we were talking to him. He's like, look, you're going to give up plays and you got to accept that. And Rock, when it happens, it spirals. And that's on mm-hmm. the position coach and that's on Rock and that's on the teammates that are mentoring. Xavier Rose has spent a lot of time with him. But this is it, man. This is the year. Like, you're either like, – that dude didn't even play in the playoff game. They you didn't even play him. Yeah, um, TJ Carey played a lot, yeah. They they need him to bring it this year because if not, quarterbacks are just going to keep going at him. Yeah, so that's a good segue, though, to the defensive line because I think this is where 
their defense can make the jump. Uh, look, their cornerback situation is what it is. I don't think it's going to matter that much if their defensive line is as good as we think it is. But, you know, we got to see more. But but I will tell you, I think this is going to be one of the strengths of this team. I am convinced of it. Look, you are seeing right now DeForest Buckner, I think, is – that guy's ready. Okay, that's, there's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. He's ready. No one, Didn't Not that you were camp. worried, but um, he's ready. Grover Stewart is really ready. Like that guy, he's in a zone. That guy is ready. And now the the question is going to be, okay, you let you let Justin Houston walk, you let Danique Watry walk. Who are you going to be your go-to defensive ends? I think I love what I've seen from this rotation. Um I think really it's going to boil down to to whether they can do it against, you know, stiffer competition at offensive tackle than what they're facing right now they need they need a bigger test honestly uh so i, I want to see what they do for example on saturday because i i thought the pass rush against carolina in the game i thought it was just okay you know I, yeah. I, I didn't think it looked anything like we've seen in camp and and i think that raises some questions like you know is how much of this is what how much of what we're seeing is a result of this bad offensive tackle situation and how much of it is, you know, these guys really ready to make a jump. And so I think that question will probably remain unanswered for a little bit, you know? It's kind of hard because, and, and I agree with you, like, I I don't want to, you can't knock the defensive ends for playing great. Like, right. it's not their fault. They're just lining up against these guys and, and whooping them every day. But it's also like, all right, like, everybody looks good. So when mm-hmm. is it going to, you know, when are we going to start to see? But um, Banigou deserves credit. He's brought it every day in camp. He's played well with pads on, with pads off. Toure's had good days. He's dealing with a shoulder right now. I don't think he'll be out there Saturday, but right. I have a big story. Not a big story, but a story coming on him and the play that really uh, ended his season on a sour note last year. If you guys remember the dumb ass offsides penalty that Chris Ballard called it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, Quiddy Pay, who you wrote about, which I thought was a fascinating story on just – how they've kind of accelerated him and expanded his skill set very quickly. Yeah. So the, the short version on on Quiddy Pay is, and I think this is so so important. Quiddy Pay, if you and it's and I noticed this too because I I try to familiarize myself with him a lot more after they drafted him and even before just looking at the the edge rushers. Every time I'd watch any tape of him from Michigan, I would see this guy who was just like power driving people. I'm like, man, this guy's so strong. But I'm like. All right, that's great, but like, can he beat somebody on the edge? And I never got a real, you know, accurate answer to that because I didn't see him do it. And I wondered about that. I was like, is that all there is to this guy? Is he just a power guy? And I think what we learned, we were told this before, and now we're seeing it in action. We were told the scheme at Michigan was different. And what we're going to ask him to do won't be the same here in Indy. That has turned out to be really true. What they've done, if you watch, tape of Michigan play, what you'll see is you'll see Quiddy Pay lined up really close to the offensive tackle, just a here outside uh, or just off of his outside shoulder. So if it's a left tackle, he'd be just to the right of that, you know, looking at it from the defensive side. Now what he's doing is they've widened him out and got him truly outside of the tackle and lined up sort of cocked toward the quarterback. So now he's, that's a true edge rusher and he's been fine. He loves it. <laughs> he loves get, you know, getting out of that stance and being able to explode as opposed to when you're lined up right in front of that offensive tackle, 
as soon as the ball snapped, boom, you're into his body and it becomes a, a wrestling match. And now they're allowing him to be explosive and use his speed. And he feels like a different player. So he's got speed and power. So I think that guy, I think he is as advertised. I'm, I'm buying it. I think he is as advertised. I, it may not happen immediately, but I think Quiddy Pay is going to make some plays this year. I'm, I'm buying it. So he's just been fun to watch. And, and it's also fun to watch these young defensive ends, whether it's real or not, right? We explained that already. But it's been fun to see them, like, enjoy the fact that they're having this success, you know? Like, you, yeah, you can Fanny see the enthusiasm. Right to mind. Yeah. He looks different. He sounds different. He's playing different. He's smiling. He's celebrating on the field. We did not see that last year. We yeah. did not see that last year. And I don't know if it translates to Sundays when it counts. But as of right now, he's on the team for sure. He's played really well in training camp, and he's having so much more fun. You can It's just palpable. Yeah. I mean, look, that's the bottom line. Guys got to respond, you know, when they get into a challenging situation. We talked about it with the quarterbacks, and I think we're seeing it here at defensive end too. It's Banigou, Taekwon Lewis to a, to a lesser extent. Uh, certainly Kamoku Ture, just, you know, for health reasons, he needed to respond, and I think he has responded. So – that that's what it's about, man. You know, show me, don't tell me, and they're doing that. So, I like the defense. I, I oh yeah, I like this defense. Yeah. You know, I don't have a lot of concerns if that pass rush delivers and Rock is okay. I think they could be a pain to play against. I mean, with Okariki ready to break out and, and Darius becoming one of the better linebackers in football, and Kenny Moore the way he's looked and Buckner. I mean, this is what Ballard wanted. It's what's what's what he's he's been building for 5 years is to get to this point. If they can fix the couple spots on the other side, the quarter the quarterback and the left tackle, they've got a really solid roster that doesn't have a lot of holes. They just need Fisher back and they need Wentz back. Yeah. Last thing is, I, you know, I I walked out there the other morning, I think it was it would have been Tuesday, you know, when they got some guys back, you know, from injuries. And so you walk out there and the defense lines up for the first time. So that when that happens, you're, you're getting all the starters out there. Right? Usually when you get that first team period, a full team. And I sat back and I just looked at that defense and I was like, I kind of like this group. I mean, I've always liked it. But I mean, when you really look at it, it's like, so here, I, here it is. You've got Quiddy Pay, you know, just you know, as thick as a, an ox. Okay. <laughs> You've got DeForest Buckner. Grover Stewart, unblockable. You've got, uh, I guess on the other side would have been Taekwon Lewis, I think. And then you look at the linebackers and it's like, huh, Darius Leonard, Bobby Okurigi, Xavier Rose is out there. Kenny Moore sitting there in the slot, you know, like, huh, I dare you. I, I mean, then the two safeties, you know, who I yeah, think listen are to the quarterbacks members. talk about it. Yeah. Ellinger and Eason are like, dude, I mean, there's nobody's open, you know, like yep. these guys are all over. Yeah. So I, I really think. I think it was Zizan who I asked this yesterday and kind of delicately, he gave a good answer. I was kind of asking him like, eh, you know, was it kind of like old hat when you went and played Carolina because you've been playing against these guys every day? And he was very diplomatic. <laughs> he was like, look, you know, yeah. every team has good players. They're all fast. He was like, but yeah, look, man, I mean, not everybody has DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. <laughs> it's his way of saying, yeah. these guys are freaking good. I got to beat these guys every day. So there's something to that, man. I mean, I think what you're seeing is real on this defense. I, I'm I think it. what you're trying to say is iron sharpens iron. 
I, is that what you're trying to say? I, I was trying to say it without saying it. So, <laughs> because it's not allowed, I thought, right? <laughs> so, anyway, you, you were throwing it back to our old chopping wood days there. <laughs> the, oh, man. The chopping It'll wood never podcast. leave us. It'll never leave us. <laughs> if you've been around us for a while, you know what I'm getting at there, guys. So, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll wind this down, and we'll be back next week with more. But, um, you know, let's see what let's see what Saturday night brings. Every one of these games, I think, is a chance for education. Um, I, I generally don't give a shit about the preseason. I think this has actually been mildly interesting to watch. So yeah, that's good. For sure. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. So hey, I want to see what Sam Ellinger can do. And whether he's the guy or not, hey, show me something, right? You know, so it's all opportunity. You know, force them to keep you on the roster, right? That's his that's should be his goal. Force them to, to keep you on the roster because you're so good that somebody will steal you from the practice squad. That should be his goal, you know? So we'll see. I think he's up for it, and we'll just have to see if he passes the test. Um, so yeah, we're good. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of see what happens on Saturday. We'll be back next week with another episode. I I think by the time we get to our next episode, we could likely have a decision from Frank Wright <laughs> on the quarterback because I think he wants that going into the third week of the preseason. Right? I mean. I think that's yeah. a reasonable yeah. expectation. That's a good point. We could we could find out at least who is it going to be if Carson's not ready. Correct. I think that's that's totally what I mean. plausible next week. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so we could have some interesting news there. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for Zach's story on Kamoka Ture and other good coverage of the Colts on The Athletic. If you haven't subscribed, you know what to do. Uh, there's lots of specials online right now. So with that, I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. This is 1% Better.